Welcome into episode 20 of College Sports Today, right here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Neal joining you as always here on the show. We thank you for taking some time out of your day to join us here as well. As always, we got a ton of stuff to talk about. We're now into March, midway point of the month. There's so much going on, especially in the sport of basketball with March Madness. We'll talk all about the men's and women's brackets coming up later in the show. That'll be in our second segment. Tons of great stuff going on there. We'll actually be talking all basketball here in the show tonight. Just in the spirit of March Madness, the spirit of the NCAA tournament, it's that time of year. Next week, we'll get back to talking Lenore Ryan stuff, other news throughout the college sports world. But tonight, we're going to have a huge focus on college basketball, not only with March Madness, but also with some transfer news. That's what our first segment will be comprised of. We'll talk about three Power 5 players that are making moves. We'll be talking about Cam Hayes and Jaden Dallaire, both making moves from their schools, North Carolina State and Stanford, respectively. We'll also shed some light on Bryce Lindsey, a three-star guard in the class of 2022, decommitting from South Carolina. We'll get into the details of that coming up as well. But again, we're going to start with the transfer news and North Carolina State point guard and former four-star recruit Cam Hayes. He has entered his name into the transfer portal. Sources tell 247 Sports. The six foot three, 180-pound point guard averaged seven points. 2.3 rebounds and 2.1 assists this season for the Wolfpack, playing 20.9 minutes per game. Hayes was ranked 76th overall in the class of 2020 and the number 15 overall point guard, according to 247 Sports. He initially committed to Kevin Keats over Louisville and Maryland, where he planned to take official visits before putting an end to his recruitment. He's the third member of the program to transfer this offseason, joining Thomas Allen and Jalen Gibson. Immediately following his entry into the transfer portal, Hayes was contacted by Tennessee, Houston, and Loyola Chicago, a source told 247 Sports. When we're talking about point guards on the open market, if you will, uh, with college basketball and the transfer portal, I think a lot of schools will be going after Cam Hayes. He is one of the most talented point guards in the country at scoring the basketball, but finding some assist game as well. Obviously, he didn't have enough opportunity to showcase that at North Carolina State. He only played 20.9 minutes per game. And going back to his days in high school, I've always been a big fan of him. Again, just with his ability to strike that balance. And when he gets more playing time and when he gets more opportunities, he's going to have an opportunity to shine. He's going to have a chance to be a really, really good player. And again, he was only ranked 76th in the 2020 class and number 15 at the point guard spot. But he is really a talented kid. Six foot three, 180 pounds. He has the prototypical size. He has the burst as well. I don't think his jump shot right now is maybe where everyone thought it would be. But his ability to get into the paint and just pick his spots, that's something that he does really well. And I'm excited to see with a new opportunity what he does. Tennessee is a school that was recruiting him pretty hard. We mentioned Houston and Loyal Chicago have also contacted him since putting his name into the transfer portal. And you look at Louisville and Maryland, two schools that he was considering during his recruitment. Those two schools are not what they were. Louisville, they don't have Chris Mack as head coach anymore. That entire staff is gone. The athletic director is gone. And there's so many moving parts yet again within that entire program. Maryland does no longer have Mark Turgeon as their head coach. He stepped down during the season. So when you're looking at Louisville and Maryland, 
maybe they reach out, but I, I really don't think that they're going to be in the mix here. Again, it's really too early to tell where he might be going. You know, schools are just starting to recruit him again, if you will. And uh, that's what going into the transfer portal is for these guys. It's a second recruitment in a way. When you're coming in out of high school, you've had tons of schools on you, tons of schools contacting you, pushing you to go to that program. And that's what's happening again when you get into the transfer portal. Schools are going to come in, contact you very quickly. Last year's transfer market was very fruitful. And what I mean by that is there were a lot of high-profile players going in and great opportunities for programs to pick up high-quality players that were experienced and that had a veteran sense to them. This year, I think it's also going to be pretty strong. I think Cam Hayes will be one of the better guards in the portal, and uh, we'll see how things go with uh, that second recruitment for him. Another guy going through the same process right now is Stanford's Jaden Delaire. He entered the transfer portal as a grad transfer per a source. The 6'9", 215-pound versatile forward averaged 10.1 points, 4 rebounds, and 1.1 assists for the Cardinal this past season and comes as a very big loss for their program. He was a member of the 2018 recruiting class and exited high school as the number 83 overall prospect in that class. In addition to Stanford, he was recruited by Providence, Pitt, USC, Rutgers, UConn, and Georgetown, amongst others. He is one of the best players to have entered the transfer portal so far here in the 2022 cycle and is definitely going to be a high-demand player. Because when we're talking about veteran 4 and 5 players, you can't get enough of those guys. If you want to go and compete for a championship, if you want to be a really good basketball team, you have to have experience and veteran leadership, especially on the interior. And Delaire is a guy who has had tons of experience on the floor and for a Stanford team that was a good, solid basketball team. Not a tournament team year in and year out, but a a solid basketball team with a lot of talent. I think that's a Stanford program that has had so much talent, but they haven't lived up to expectations and they haven't been able to rise up year in and year out. It's not only an opportunity when guys go into the transfer portal to produce more if they feel like they're not getting enough playing time, but it's also an opportunity to compete for a championship, you know, and and that's what we've seen a lot of guys do. Uh, Theo John last year going into Duke. You know, Reed Travis was at Stanford, went over to Kentucky in uh, 2018. Just a couple of examples of guys going in and trying to find that opportunity to produce, but also at the same time compete for a championship because that's what all of these players want to accomplish. They want to win a national championship. They want to play in March Madness. Jaden Delaire is not a guy that's been able to compete in the NCAA tournament. And for players, that can be very frustrating because that's one of the things that you really want to do when you go to college. That's one of those bucket list things. You want to play in the NCAA tournament. You want to be a part of March Madness in that history. So we'll see who gets in contact with him. We have not seen anything yet as far as who might be recruiting him at this point, but uh, he's going to be one of the very high-profile players on the market. In the transfer portal, there's going to be a lot of good post players, and this is that time of year where it's starting to pick up. Now that team seasons have ended, except for teams in the NIT and the NCAA tournament, all of those guys have free reign to do what they want. They can go pro, they can stay where they are, or they can leave. And uh, Jaden Dallaire felt like maybe he wanted to have an opportunity to produce more, and maybe he'll go to one of those win-now programs. Average 10.1 points, 4 rebounds, 1.1 assists. Good solid stats, again, for a Stanford team that yet again struggled this season. So going to be interesting to see what uh, that second recruitment looks like for him as well. So those are just two guys that have entered the transfer portal. Hundreds, a thousand guys go into the transfer portal every single year. 
and it's really hard to stay on top of every single name. But when we see the big names come up, like those two and others, we're definitely going to let you know about them. Finally, here in this first segment, we're going to be talking a little bit of recruiting news with Bryce Lindsey, three-star guard in the 2022 class. He has announced his decommitment from South Carolina, he told 247 Sports. And the big reason we're seeing a lot of shifting and movement at South Carolina with their men's program is because Frank Martin was dismissed as head coach. They're moving on from him after a nice little run, but uh, he will no longer be their head coach. Lindsey told 247 Sports, Frank Martin played a major role in my commitment with him leaving it really weighed a lot to me. South Carolina is still an option, but I want to make sure I choose the right university for me. He's six foot three, 170 pounds, place combo guard, can play the one and two positions, and due to that dismissal, again, reopening his recruitment. Now, several other programs that recruited him coming out and before he committed to South Carolina were Marquette, Virginia Tech, and Georgetown, among many others as well. This was a very fruitful recruitment for a three-star prospect. He did not sign a letter of intent, though, and that's the very important thing to keep in mind. And if you follow recruiting within any sport, you know that there's a difference between a verbal commitment and a signature on a dotted line on a national letter of intent. If you sign that NLI, you can get out of it, but it's not going to be as easy as just saying, okay, I'm going to reopen. I'm going to pull that verbal commitment back. And uh, that's all that Bryce Lindsay had to do. He just decommitted. He had not signed a national letter of intent. So he didn't have to go through that tedious process of uh, getting his release from that. So now it's going to be interesting to see because he's going to have to be on a college campus sooner than later, who he chooses. Again, VT, Georgetown, Marquette, were some of the other schools recruiting him. And for a three-star, he has some good options. And we talked about him a while back here on the show when we were taking a look at recruits. And when he committed to South Carolina, we actually uh, broke that news here on College Sports Today. He has so much hesitation in his game. He keeps the defense off balance. And when I say hesitation, I don't mean he's uncomfortable out there on the floor. He is shifty. He's moving guys. And he's keeping, again, that defense off balance. His ball handling skills and his passing skills are top level. His vision is outstanding. His jumper's solid. I think that's coming around, but his floater game is also good. He's a very, very consistent floor general. Again, he can play that two-guard position as well, but I see him being a point guard at the college level. And we know now that's not going to be for the South Carolina Gamecocks, most likely. Again, all these recruits have to come out and say that they are still an option, but in actuality, they're not really. You know, they had a relationship with the prior coach, and uh, now you know, you're, you're not going to go back to that school. Rarely we see that. But when you build a rapport and a relationship with a coach, and then that coach is no longer there, then it's a sense of unfamiliarity. And uh, it's a sense of like, well, I don't know that school again, just like at the start of the process. So it's going to be interesting to see the South Carolina process and who they get as their next coach and when that happens. And uh, I'm sure Bryce Lindsey will be waiting to see what happens with SC, but most likely going to be playing for a different college program in 2022 and beyond. So that's all that we have here in segment one with college basketball. Again, Cam Hayes and Jaden Dallaire transferring from NC State and Stanford, respectively. Bryce Lindsey reopening his recruitment as well, decommitting from the University of South Carolina. Again, that's all we have in our opening frame. We're going to take a quick break here on the show. When we come back, we'll be talking all of March Madness. We'll be breaking down the men's bracket, the women's bracket, bold predictions, everything coming up next. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned. You're listening to College Sports Today on WLRZ 99.3 FM.
Welcome back in to College Sports Today, episode number 20. Going into our second segment here on the show tonight, where we're talking March Madness. The NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments are underway. Things are getting going. It's such an exciting time of year to be a fan of college basketball, to be a fan of sports. This is what this time of year is about, what this month is about. It's about the madness, and it's about the NCAA tournament. And what we're going to do here is break down the bracket at this point in time. Obviously, as we're recording, as this show is airing, games are happening. The action is going on. The madness is taking place. But we're doing the best we can to keep up with those results and to break down the bracket as updated as it is at this point. And uh, the way that we're going to do that here in this segment is break down the top 10 teams still remaining in the bracket. My top 10 teams still left in contention on the men's side and on the women's side. So we're going to take a look first at the top 10 men's teams still in this field. There have been some upsets already. We're going to talk about those. But my number one overall team is the number one overall seed in the tournament. The Gonzaga Bulldogs got out of their first round matchup against Georgia State played close early, but ended up pulling away in the second half. And they're going to face Memphis in their second round game. Going to be a very intriguing matchup. Memphis took down Boise State in their first round game. That was an 8-9 matchup. Memphis was the ninth seed there. And uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup for Gonzaga because this is an athletic Memphis team. They can spread you out. They can shoot a solid. They're not a great shooting team, but when they're hot, they're very, very good. And it's going to be interesting to see how Gonzaga with Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren on the interior, how they handle Jalen Duran on the interior for Memphis. Their best player, not only on the inside, but their best player overall. That's the guy that they go through. This Gonzaga team is just as complete this season as they were last year when they went undefeated in the regular season through their conference tournament all the way up to that national championship game where they lost to the Baylor Bears. This Gonzaga team, I've gone all the way winning the national championship. I think they'll clear Memphis. Now, with New Mexico State's win over UConn here in this West region, that opens some things up as well, because 12 seed New Mexico State is now into the second round. With UConn's loss now, this path becomes even easier for Gonzaga. Definitely love Gonzaga, easily my number one team. Arizona's my number two team. They're in the South region, number one seed there, and I just love what Tommy Lloyd has done coming in in this first year, turning this team around. The last couple of seasons with Sean Miller, they were just forgettable years there at Arizona. First time they're a number one seed since the 2014-2015 season, and they have so much talent as well. They don't have a superstar that's at the level of what Gonzaga has with Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, but they have Benedict Matherin in the backcourt. Kirk Kreese is his running mate there. He's really, really consistent. He's one of my favorite players, really one of the most underrated players in all of college basketball. Then you have Christian Coloco on the inside. There's a lot of talent here on this Arizona team. And just like with what Gonzaga did, bringing in international guys, having a diverse roster, Arizona's done the same thing. And that's something that Tommy Lloyd had done for so long there at Gonzaga, not just looking at the best recruits in the U.S., but looking at the top players from outside the U.S., he brought that talent into Gonzaga and helped Mark Few build great teams with those players. And now he's doing the same thing at Arizona. And their path to a Final Four, you're looking at Illinois as a potential opponent in the Sweet 16, either Tennessee or Villanova. We're going to talk about those two teams in a minute. They could see one of those two squads in the Elite Eight. So Arizona's region here, the South region, definitely not easy with a potential matchup with either Villanova or with Tennessee. Tennessee's looked really good so far. And again, you look at Villanova, like how they're playing as well. 
champions of the Big East. They're my number nine team on this list. Again, we'll go over those two squads in a little bit, but I definitely see Arizona getting out of this region, going to the Final Four, and into the championship game. So I see Mark View versus Tommy Lloyd in the championship game, but I have Gonzaga winning there. But uh, Arizona's had an incredible season, and they're my number two team. Kansas is my number three team out of the Midwest region, and yet again, another Big 12 championship, another great season. Madness has happened in this region as well. Iowa lost to Richmond in a 5-12 matchup, and that's an Iowa team that was very trendy pick to go to the Final Four and come out of that region. But now with that loss and Richmond now into the second round, the path for Kansas is even clearer. Kind of like we saw in the West region with New Mexico State winning over UConn, 12-5 upset here in the Midwest as well with Richmond over Iowa. So now you're looking at a potential Sweet 16 matchup, not with Iowa because now that they've been they've been knocked out, potentially with Providence. That's a Providence team that's going to play Richmond in the second game, and we're going to see how that matchup plays out. Wisconsin is a team that they could face in a possible Elite Eight. You look at Auburn as a number two seed, so a number of possibilities here in this region as far as who Kansas could draw as an opponent in both the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight trying to get to that Final Four. This team has a ton of talent as well. I think they've gone a little bit under the radar. You know, most Kansas teams... Everybody's talking about them all the time. They're one of the top-ranked teams in the country, and they were one of the top-ranked teams this year. But people weren't talking about them like they were talking about Gonzaga or Arizona, Baylor, teams like that. But Kansas did win the Big 12, so that they're still the class of that conference. So that's going to be very interesting to see what happens there in that region. My number four team is Baylor out of the Big 12 as well, number one seed in the East region. Again, we've talked about upsets in the West and in the Midwest. It's happening in the East also. Kentucky, the number two seed, fell to St. Peter's. That was a huge, huge, major, massive upset. So with Kentucky out now, the path to a Final Four for Baylor becomes way more likely because if they had drawn Kentucky in an Elite Eight, that would have been a really, really tough matchup for them. So now you're looking at a potential matchup with UCLA in a Sweet 16, and now Purdue has a great opportunity to get to the Elite Eight as the number three seed there at the bottom of that East region. With Kentucky's loss, doors wide open for them. So I think we either see Baylor and Purdue or UCLA or Purdue in that Elite Eight. So Baylor's there as my number four team. As my number five team, it's Auburn out of the Midwest at the bottom of that region. Same region as Kansas. We just talked about them. And it's going to be interesting to see how they play coming up because in the backcourt, they don't have the talent that other teams have. They have Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith in the frontcourt. Arguably the best frontcourt in college basketball. Very close with uh, Timmy and Holmgren from Gonzaga. But if they're going to make that run, if they're going to make that push, it's going to be about those two guys being excellent. And you're looking at a potential Sweet 16 game with Wisconsin and a possible Elite Eight matchup with Kansas. So Auburn definitely in a very tough, very contested region. At number six and seven, Texas Tech and Duke, both out of the West region. These two teams could face each other in the Sweet 16. And if I were to pick a team right now to win that basketball game, if that's indeed what we do see, I would go with Texas Tech. They're super well coached by Mark Adams. They're tough defensively. They put you in tough spots and they can score a little bit, but it's that defense holding down that Duke offense. That's kind of what I see in that potential matchup. We saw what VT did to Duke, holding them to 67 points. Duke gave up 82. Duke's defense is not strong, and Texas Tech's offense isn't great, but it doesn't have to be because their defense is so elite. 
the personnel they have with Kevin O'Banner, Kevin McCullough, Marcus Santos Silva, Adonis Arms, I could go down the line. This is a very talented but blue-collar Texas Tech team, and these are the squads that go far in March Madness. These are the teams that compete for championships. So I end up seeing Texas Tech and Gonzaga in the Elite Eight as opposed to Duke and Gonzaga, which it could as easily be that game as well. But uh, Texas Tech and Duke, two very interesting teams there in the West region. My number eight and nine teams are Tennessee and Villanova, both out of the South region. These teams could meet in the Sweet 16. Tennessee looking very good to start. Villanova, champions of the Big East. Colin Gillespie, the unquestioned leader of that team. He has played in so many big games over the course of his career, especially in March. And this is a Tennessee team that has a mix of young guys and experienced players. Josiah Jordan-James, Santiago Vescovi, those guys have been in the program. But then you have a freshman like Kennedy Chandler, who is continuing to take that team and lead them very well as that lead point guard. So overall, it's going to be interesting to see if they play in that matchup, who would get the upper hand. I got Tennessee coming out. I think Chandler is super explosive. He's super talented. He would be a factor in that game. And the defensive intensity that Villanova can provide, Tennessee can do that same thing as well. But it's just it's going to be very close. It's going to be interesting to see if those two teams go at it. Again, that's a potential Sweet 16 matchup in the South. And then going back down to the Midwest region, my number 10 team is Wisconsin. Wisconsin, number three seed in that region. And it's going to be interesting to see if they do match up in that Sweet 16 with Auburn, if Auburn does clear the first round and the second round where Auburn could face a tricky USC team as a number seven seed. But yeah, Wisconsin, again, just like we talked about with Texas Tech, they have a ton of experience. Johnny Davis has been one of the best players in the country this year. Brad Davison has had a very good season. Again, we talked about the experienced veteran teams. Those are the squads that end up going far in March Madness. And again, like I said, I see a potential Wisconsin-Auburn matchup. And if Wisconsin clears that game, they could be looking at an Elite Eight matchup with Kansas most likely, or that could be Auburn, one of those two. So those are my top 10 teams in men's college basketball. And again, like I said earlier, as we're recording this, you've got teams playing, we got games happening, but those are my 10 teams that I'm looking at at this point that are uh, in contention right now for the championship. So that's a look at men's college basketball and the top 10 teams there. I've also compiled a top 10 list of women's college basketball teams in the 2022 women's field. And just like we did with the men's, we're going to go over these teams, talk about the situation that they're in, go over what region they're a part of, all of that good stuff. So my number one overall team is the number one overall seed, South Carolina Gamecocks. They are in the Greensboro region. And at this point, you look at the competition for them. That's what we're doing with all these teams. We're looking at where they're placed and who they might run into. You know, maybe they could get a scare here. I see South Carolina easily getting through the first three rounds of the tournament. I see them playing Arizona in a Sweet 16. That's a number four seed uh, there in the Greensboro region. I have them playing Iowa in the Elite Eight. Iowa is the number two seed here uh, in the region. It's going to be about for Iowa getting other players to have big stat lines along with Caitlin Clark. And that's something we're going to talk about a little bit more later when we get to Iowa, who's also part of this top 10. They're actually number seven on this list. But back to South Carolina. They are the best overall team in this field. They have Aaliyah Boston on the interior, who is a National Player of the Year contender. I think Caitlin Clark's the favorite right now for National Player of the Year, but Boston is right there, has had an outstanding season. You have Camilla Cardoso, who's more of a defensive player for the South Carolina team on the interior and has really bolstered that defense this year. 
getting them to that point now where they're one of the best defensive teams in the country and certainly the best defensive team in this region because you look at some of the other teams here, Iowa, Iowa State, they're high octane offensively, but maybe not as strong on the defensive end. And that's where South Carolina is going to separate themselves from the other teams here. And if they play Iowa in an Elite Eight game, their defense is going to be the difference, I think. So I have them going uh, out of there into the Final Four. They're actually my pick to win the national championship this year. Uh, I see them playing Stanford in the championship game. And going over to Stanford, who's my number two team, they're placed in the Spokane region. And I see them as well. Not facing too many tests, obviously in the first round, the second round. They could see Maryland in a Sweet 16 and Texas in an Elite Eight if the highest seeds hold out and, and win those basketball games. Maryland's a team I'm not too concerned about as an opponent for Stanford because Maryland has that knack of going out early in the tournament and not living up to those expectations, right? So if Stanford's to play Maryland, I like Stanford there. Now, when you're looking at Texas, Texas is a team that beat Stanford in the regular season. Now, I say that, but I was back in December. It's like a whole different season compared to what we're looking at right now. So I do take that into account, that Texas did win that game and that they could face Stanford. But I think it would be a much different result this time around because Stanford is playing at their peak right now. Cameron Brink on the interior, Ashton Prechtel, Haley Jones is the best wing in college basketball without question. On the outside, you have some good perimeter talent. Hannah Jump, Lexi Hall, you just go down the line. Anna Wilson, a part of their championship team last year. Every single year, this roster comes together and it gels very well. And under the tutelage of Tara Vanderveer, they always play their best basketball in the month of March. And we saw that last year. They started to heat up during the NCAA tournament and uh, went on to win the national championship. So I have Stanford there at number two. I got NC State as my number three team. And I was looking at NC State or UConn to put here. I end up putting UConn at four. NC State at three because of the presence of Alyssa Q name, who is probably right behind Aaliyah Boston as the best post player in women's college basketball at this point. When you look at their offense, it's all about her, and they revolve around her play. But they also have Diamond Johnson, transfer from Rutgers, huge addition for them, Madison Hayes, versatile wing, Raina Perez, Jada Boyd. You just go down the line. This is a super versatile NC State team, and they can match up very well with UConn. And I think that is absolutely going to be the Elite Eight matchup here. NC State could face Kansas State in the second round, Oklahoma on their way in a possible Sweet 16 game, two Big 12 teams that are very dangerous. But NC State much more complete. I'd like them to get out of there and, again, face UConn in an Elite Eight. So love what NC State's doing right now. They're the number one seed in the Bridgeport region. UConn is the number two seed in the Bridgeport region. They're my number four team. On their way to a possible Elite Eight matchup with North Carolina State, they could face Florida or UCF, and then Indiana, potentially, in the Sweet 16, or the Kentucky Wildcats. So you have some tricky opponents here. You have an Indiana team who's kind of been sliding a little bit, but is very talented. Kentucky won the SEC championship. They have a tricky first-round game against Princeton. If they get out of that and go on their way to beat Indiana, who's playing Charlotte in the first round, I think that's a really good possible matchup, but I like UConn, no matter who they play, Indiana or Kentucky. This is a UConn team that has everybody healthy now. Paige Backers is back. She has not played too much since coming back. She played a little bit to finish the regular season and a little bit in the Big East tournament, but what the walkthroughs and what the practices recently have been about, it's about getting her mind right and getting her in shape. 
for the NCAA tournament. And all reports out of UConn are that Paige Beckers is doing just fine and that she's going to be good to go for the NCAA tournament, their first-round game against Mercer on Saturday. So that's where their run starts. That's where their road begins. So UConn is my number four team. And around Paige, you have Caroline Ducharme, AZ Fudd, Levine Nelson Dota, Kristen Williams, Avina Westbrook, Dorky Juhas. UConn is one of the deepest teams in the country, maybe second deepest to South Carolina. So if they need to pull a player off the bench and mix and match, they can do that. And in the tournament, sometimes you need to make that happen. You need to make those adjustments. So uh, we'll see how UConn fares. Baylor is my number five team. Louisville is my number six team. You look at both of these squads, they both come out of the Wichita region. Baylor, their run could see Ole Miss in the second round, Michigan in the Sweet 16. Again, look, nothing in March is a given. Nothing is guaranteed in this month in this tournament. But I do see Louisville and Baylor going to the Elite Eight. But the reason I had Baylor at five and Louisville at six, and the reason I picked Baylor to go to the Final Four over Louisville, is because of the presence of Nelissa Smith. And I want to give you some some context here on why I think Baylor is going to go over Louisville. It's because on the interior, Louisville is not quite as strong as Baylor. On the wing and in the backcourt, they've got a lot of really good players. Haley Van Lith, Chelsea Hall, you, you go down the line, there's some talent there. Baylor, on the other hand, has Nelissa Smith who I think in that matchup would be the best player on the floor. Olivia Cochran is there in the interior for Louisville. Emily Engsler is a player that would probably be guarding Nelissa Smith, but the explosion, the power, the consistency that Nelissa Smith plays with, I think she's going to be the best player on the floor in that potential matchup. And I think she would be the difference because you take Nelissa Smith off of Baylor and they are definitely not a number two seed. They're not even a top 10 team in the country, in my opinion. That's how important she is to that basketball team. And you look at her stats all season, she's been so consistent, and is really the reason why Baylor's in that position. Now, they have a lot of other talent. They have good backcourt pieces like Sarah Andrews, and there's a lot of other good players up front as well, like Queen Egbo. But it's really because of Melissa Smith, why they're in this position. And she's the player that makes them go. So I like what they're doing right now as a number two seed, and I think they'll play South Carolina in the Final Four out of the Wichita region. My number seven team is Iowa. Mentioned them earlier out of the Greensboro region. Caitlin Clark, definitely the favorite at this point to win National Player of the Year and has really carried Iowa to this point. Again, just like we talked about with Melissa Smith, you take Caitlin Clark off of Iowa, ooh, who, who knows where they would be? That's how important she is. They would definitely be a tournament team, but nowhere near a number two seed and one of the best teams in the country. Big 10 tournament champions, they're on a run right now, and they feel that momentum. They feel that energy. And you look at on their path to a potential Final Four, they could play Iowa State in a Sweet 16. We mentioned that they could face South Carolina in the Elite Eight. But let's not just pencil them in automatically yet to that Elite Eight game against South Carolina. Iowa State is a team that could definitely knock them off. These two teams are very similar in that they're high-octane offensively. Iowa likes to shoot a lot of threes. And they like to play with that pace offensively. So does Iowa State with Ashley Jones, with Aubrey Jones, with Lexi Donarski. Just the players that they have, the personnel out there can match up well with what Iowa has. I don't know if Iowa State has a post player that can match up with Sanano on the Iowa side of things. Iowa State doesn't have a Caitlin Clark. The Jones sisters and Donarski are really good. But what's going to put Iowa over the top is Caitlin Clark. 
But that's definitely a team to watch out for uh, on Iowa's potential path to a potential Final Four is Iowa State right there. So uh, Iowa's my number seven team. Going over to my number eight team, it's Texas out of the Spokane region. And like we said earlier, if they reach the Elite Eight, they could face Stanford. But before that, you're looking at a possible matchup with LSU, who's my number nine team. LSU's the number three seed here in Spokane. Again, Texas is the two seed. Kim Mulkey coming in has really changed the path that this program's on. The course of this program, they're going up. They're ascending at this point. And you look at the talent they've assembled. Yeah, Jalen Cherry, Hannah Gusters, Kayla Pointer. That's an LSU team that could face Texas in the Sweet 16. And uh, I picked Texas to get out of there, but LSU is definitely a team that could challenge. And they're kind of the sleeper here to come out of this region. They're the sleeper team to potentially make a Final Four run. So definitely like what they're doing. And my number 10 team to close things out is Iowa State, who we just talked about earlier. And that team... The Iowa State Cyclones, number three seed in the Greensboro region, which again, it's a tough region with South Carolina and with Iowa, but Iowa State's kind of been under the radar all season. They did not end up getting as far in the Big 12 tournament as they would have hoped, but at a point, they're like number six team in the country. And offensively, just like Iowa, they can score a lot of points. It's just going to come down to, can they defensively hold up? And that's always the question with Iowa too, is... Can they hold up defensively? And that could be the difference, you know, in winning and losing a game in March. So it's going to come down to, like I said, Lexi Donarski and the Jones sisters. Ashley Jones, Aubrey Jones, those two have been very consistent for them. And it's always been about backcourt play for Iowa State. On the interior, I think they could have some trouble against Iowa if they played them in the Sweet 16, if they got to an Elite Eight. I think South Carolina would absolutely be able to pound the boards against them. And that's probably the biggest issue for Iowa State is that their interior finesse, it's not there compared to, especially South Carolina, even in Iowa. Even Iowa has Monica Sinano on the inside. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that region fares and how all those teams play out. So those are my top 10 teams in men's and women's college basketball. Obviously, games are happening right now. Things are going on in the tournament. But those are the teams that are still alive that I feel can make that run and uh, give you a little bit of insight into uh, some of the clubs that are participating in March Madness this year. So great time of year. Hope everyone's filled out their brackets. I'm sure so many have been busted by now with some of the upsets on the men's side of things. Uh, On the women's side of things, things are just getting going with the Friday games here and Saturday coming up. This weekend's going to be huge as well. And that is episode number 20 of College Sports Today. In segment one, we went over some transfer news. We also talked about Bryce Lindsey decommitting from the South Carolina Gamecocks. Here in our second segment, all about March Madness with the men's and women's brackets, our top 10 teams, analysis, and predictions. We have, as always, enjoyed bringing this episode to you. As always, we want to give a special thanks to everybody at Lenoran University, the School of Journalism and Mass Communication, and WLRZ 99.3 FM. This is Hamilton Hill signing off. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening.